What up, what up? This is Chicken and Beer. I'm Jazz. God damn it, I'm Nish. Yep, and we love to chat about sport over some homemade chicken and some cold beers. And this is what we've got lined up for you in this episode. That's right, we're going to chat to Jens Huiber of Sport Radio 360 about Andy Murray and his year so far. I do think uh, in his heart of hearts that winning Wimbledon twice, probably that's the biggest thing for him. Earlier this month was the 30-year anniversary of Alex Ferguson starting as Man U manager, so we're going to have a little look back at his career and the boxing writer David Payne's weighing in on the Joshua versus Molina about next month he can punch he lives the life he's very determined he is the real deal as far as I can tell at this stage all right let's do this Mm Yes, yes, you good, Nish? I am good, I am good. How are you doing? Yeah, man, good, good, good. This past weekend, finally made it to an English basketball game, man. Yes. Yeah. I've been going on about it to you for a while, haven't but I? UK flavour. Yeah, 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 because you know what it is? Obviously, I've loved basketball for like the best part of 20 years. Hardcore NBA fan. And back then... Mm-hmm. British basketball wasn't that good. There was not a real structure. Going to a game, it was just a little bit on the shitty side. Then I came across this YouTube video uh, a few weeks back, and it actually looked a bit more hype. And the main thing is the basketball itself looked better. There's a few alley-oops in there, some nice dunks. It was pretty cool, man. So I checked it out, right? Worcester Wolves versus Surrey Scorchers. So you you can see by the names, they're trying to keep that sort of NBA flow with the Mm. names and stuff like that. We are a bit in the shadow, aren't we, really? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think when it comes to basketball outside of the NBA I think Mm. the best leagues are could be wrong Spain Germany and Brazil so that's your next level of big big leagues I was going to suggest Argentina but no no I think they would come in the next even China could potentially be in there then after that I still don't think you've got England you've got like Turkey do you remember more than a game the LeBron uh, one of the guys from there I think they said at the end he went and played in Besiktas in in Turkey so Turkey's got a good sort of game going on there as well and I think England comes a little bit sort of down the line then after all of these other countries but I've got to say man I was really impressed it was at an arena it was like the university arena but it was 2000 seater brand new nice court the seating was wicked as well it was it wasn't full like it was on the video that I saw. Okay. But still, you'd got sort of certain areas of the crowd who were cheering and throughout the whole game, you know, they're hardcore and they're loving it. Go Scorchers, go Wolves, all of that. Good so it's, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah, considering it wasn't full, right? And you can see they've gone all out to try and give it that vibe. Yeah, you've got the cheerleaders. Yes. Granted, they're not like top quality, you know. You got <laughs> you got one cheerleader, she's doing her thing with her gold pom-poms, but she's looking to the left at the girl next to her thinking, shit, what's the next move? What am I supposed <laughs> to do? So it's kind of that level of cheerleader. Oh, but they're, bless them. they're trying, man. They got they got the mascots there, so Wolfie go. Half-time around. entertainment or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, or... no, it was just the cheerleaders, man. Okay, okay. They, did, they didn't have any of the like the big cannons which shoot out t-shirts oh. and shit like that. But they still had the DJ, like, you know, playing the tracks every time, like the baskets would go. Beats. Yeah, you know, and down to the food and the merchandise and stuff is pretty it's high quality stuff okay, okay yeah so it's decent food yep, yeah yep it's not just shit food there and the merchandise they've got. It's decent. It looks like a real... It looks like it's definitely sort of gone up a little I bit. I have to be honest though. You go to some of the cricket matches, right? Which is an established British sport mm. and they sometimes on certain fixtures don't have a full capacity. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, to be fair to the basketball thing, maybe it wasn't... I mean, if we had a local thing like, I don't know, Worcestershire versus Warwickshire, yeah. which is a local rivalry, then you get a few more people in the crowd. So, maybe it was one of those things at, the, at this particular fixture. It was a cup game. So, I don't know if that had an impact. Okay. The league game seemed to be, when you look at the pictures, the league game seemed to be pretty full but it was a decent experience when it comes to the basketball again the basketball was pretty good there was some nice dunks a yes. couple of alley-oops a couple of 
excuse me, I haven't even started drinking yet. A couple of uh, buzzer beaters as well, man. And um, I would say though, the Wolves, right? They were so they became a bit predictable. Every time they got the ball, they have look fake, look fake, they move, fake, they move. It's like, come on, you got to do something else, man. Do you know what I mean? And in the end, they ended up losing seventy three ninety four and going out of the cup anyway. Who so was that? The Wolves. The Wolves lost, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was good though. Definitely go, man. We should check it out. Definitely. Well, you and me have been to some serious games at the uh, London 2012 Olympics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, And that was a good atmosphere. Yeah, because we saw uh, Spain and USA. It was Brazil and USA. Yes. And we saw Spain and another team because that ticket was wicked. You got two games for the price of one. It was sick, man. Cool, man. What beers we want? Let's get the beers ready. One, two, three. Cheers. All right, man. You first. What are you drinking? So I've got something from the Witchwood Brewery, which is called Dunkel Fester. Slightly uh, late on Halloween. Uh, It's a 4.4 dark beer. You know I love my dark. Mm. So uh, I've gone for that slightly more malty. I was watching uh, Passenger 57. Remember? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That bit where he's on the phone. Have you ever played roulette? Always bet on black. You know what? You're going to hate me for this. I've not seen Passenger 57. That was pointless. Go on, carry on. But anyway, you've got the contrast to my beer. It's not a dark. It's an IPA. I've uh, you've got, got a Shipyard, shipyard is Brewing. Is it from Marston's? Shipyard Brewing Co. It just says American IPA, Portland, Maine, USA. As far as I'm aware. Now, these two breweries, uh, they have a good relationship with each other, Marston's uh, and Witchwood. Uh, so you've got like, you know, is it um, American yeah, American, American IPA. Ah, right, okay. Portland, so Maine, the USA. difference there is, is that it's a bit it's of a trick. very sweet. Oh, is it? Very sweet, man. Easy, okay. Well, basically, America are now doing, you get New World hops, and you get uh, Old World hops, and the American is the New World hops, so it's a bit more citrusy, a bit more fruity, a lot more fragrant, that kind of thing. So, I don't know if you can get that coming through, but what do you think of the taste? It's light. I don't know if that's kind of what you mean by fragrant. I like it, though. I would prefer to call it Old School hops, rather right. than New World and Old World. Old School hops. It kind of kind of fits in more with the flow of the show, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's more it's more on brand for us. Okay, I'll have a think about that next time I'm doing an explanation. Cool. But um, yeah, basically two contrasting beers. And what's the percentage on yours? I've got five. Man. Okay, so usually uh, IPAs uh, or pale ales are a bit stronger. Mine's a four four. That sounds a bit like a, a, a rap lyric, doesn't Kick it? Kick in the door. Within, within the, the four, four four. Big up, biggie. Big up, big up. So, yeah, that's where we're at. Chicken-wise, we threw Asia on the dice yes, in the last uh, we episode. Did. We started uh, enjoying the little Street Fighter ad-lib. Yes, we did. Tell me what we're, we're rocking with. So, I thought, you know what? I really do enjoy a nice Thai green curry. So, I thought to myself, let me just waz this little thing, ting and ting up. Uh, we got a bit of mange too in there, a bit of chopped red chilli. And I've also thrown in a bit of aubergine. I do like aubergine. You're not a big fan, are you? When I mentioned to you there's aubergine in there, your face just When dropped. I saw it, man, I thought, I don't fuck with aubergine. Come on, man. I don't fuck with aubergine. We're Asian. I'll try one piece. Go on, get it in there. I'm going to try one piece. It should add texture and a bit of flavour, you know. You better recognise. Mm. Come on, man. It's so squishy. Yeah, but that's aubergine. Like and the thing it. is, if you undercook it and leave it hard, then as you're going through it, it's, a, mm. it's, it's not nice. So you have to cook it. You can't eat hard aubergine. That's just exactly. Well, this is just it. it defeats the purpose. Aubergine is only aubergine when you're eating it and it's soft. Mm. I'm, mm, yeah, I might have to leave that out. All right. Well, you're gonna have to do that thing like you know with little kids when they eat everything I else know. in there. Like in the salad, you leave the tomato. Yeah, you leave everything to the side. It might have to be. Might have to be one of those jobs. Ah. That's all right. Well, anyway, okay. we'll get the verdict a bit later on. Yeah, we'll get a verdict later on that. Loving the beers, though. Yes. I need to pick you up on something Ooh, that you were taking trouble? the piss out of me in the last episode. You remember, obviously, we were discussing our fantasy football team. Yes. I had, you know what, after that, I had a bit of trouble as well. Directly after that episode, I had MacArthur for um, 
Crystal Palace. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he scored two goals, didn't mm. he? Yeah, yeah. He was on my bench, so I didn't get the 15 points that he managed to rack up. Man. Can I equally uh, give you a confession? Yeah, go for it. On the weekend, I was on WhatsApp messaging all my mates. Yeah, yeah, racking up the points. This, that, and the other. Coutinho, Zlatan, Snodgrass grass from Hull as well. Yeah. Um, he came off the bench to do an assist and score a goal. Yep. What did I do? Leave him on the bench. I put in MacArthur. <laughs> I have to take off Snodgrass when he's going to do something. Yeah. Oh, and I put in MacArthur after he's performed. It's too much. It's all luck, no skill. I'm telling you, those people who are you know, racking up 130 points, 150 points. It's all luck, man. Now, in the last episode, yes. I told you I was a 40, 45-point player on average. Average, And yep. you were like, yeah, 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 taking the piss, yeah? So... I did a little calculation. Just do you so do you mine know. as well? Do use yourself, man. So I did a little calculation, <laughs> yeah? I did a calculation. I started this thing, yeah? I started fantasy football in 2013-14. Does it tell you? Yes, it goes back as far as your whole history. Oh, my God. So I started in 2013-14. I can't believe you didn't do mine as well while she did this as a comparison. No, I don't think I'd be able to do yours. You would need to log into oh, your log account in. to all do right, it, okay? okay? All right, all right. To do that next time, okay? Okay, all right. 13, 2013 to 2014. Okay. My average per week was 54. Whoa, go on, Jazz. The following year, 14 to 15, my average was 50. Okay, not bad. The year after, 15 to 16, my average was 53. Easy. And my current average is 41. Okay, so not bad. So a lot lower, but you can cut that bullshit, okay? <laughs> I said I was in between 40 and 45, <laughs> and look, I'm excelling to 54 and 53. All right, I'll give you that, I, I'll give you that. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, cool, man. Why don't we, if you can be bothered, I'll show you how to do it to log in. You know how to log in and we'll just uh, rack up yours and we'll see how you are. Take a guess and then we'll work it out. Next episode. Take a guess what you think you are. Genuinely. Do you think you're a 40, 45 point player? Do you think you're more? No, I think I'm r- roughly around that. I think last season let me down, but before that, I think I've done okay. I'm going to say you're no, no, you're, you're, you're going to be Fiddy. Fiddy, yeah, Fiddy Cent. Big up to Fiddy. No, I think that, um, and I was going to say you're 35 to 40, but no, I think... In, That's in a bit the, harsh. Yeah, no, in the past, I think you've been up there with me. So I reckon you, I'll be clocking in about, uh, same as me, 40 to 45, or, or let's say 40 to 50, mm, based mm. on kind of what I had before. But we'll check that next time. All right, then it's been a massive year for Andy Murray. He's really smashing it at the moment. And earlier this month, he landed what could be the biggest highlight of his career, the men's world number one ranking. Yep, and Jens Hoiber of Sport Radio 360.de is with us now to have a little chat about it. What up? Yicky, 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 Jens. Good evening, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Now, before we get into it about Andy Murray... It might be worth just checking over his achievements this year. Okay, it's a massive list. The Italian Open, the Queen's Club Championship, Wimbledon, of course, the Olympics. I mean, he's the, obviously the first male as well to defend his title. The China Open, Shanghai Masters, the Vienna Open, the Paris Masters. I mean, you might want to throw in the fact that he became a father as well, kind of on a side note. So a massive year for, for Andy Murray. Yeah, but still, he's going to bite himself in the ass because of one match. And the one match was the quarterfinals at the US Open against Kei Nishikori, where he was the far better player, and he still managed to lose that one. Nobody knows why. And he could have been number one way earlier, and he actually should have taken advantage of a a little weaker Novak Djokovic, but still a great year. Do you think he's still going to be thinking about that, even though he's number one now? He's not going to be looking back at that now, is he? Well, hopefully not, hopefully not. He won in Vienna, as you said. He won four tournaments in a row now after they crashed out of the Davis Cup. And, uh, well, the the problem with him is uh, coming up at the ATP Tour Finals in London, 
that he has the far, far, far more difficult group than Djokovic. Djokovic is going to have an easy path to the uh, semifinals and uh, Andy Murray is going to have his hands full. So do you think this is going to be short-lived, him being at number one? Because Djokovic was there for like a hundred and like 140 weeks or something like that. Do you think it's going to be short-lived or do you think it's going to be like an era of Andy Murray now? Well, there won't be any eras with the top four, I think, that we see right now. Of course not with Roger Federer. Of course not with Nadal. And I don't think there's going to be an era because at this very tournament we're looking at now in London, if Djokovic ends up better than Murray, he's going to take uh, back the number one spot. So it might only be for one week or for two weeks that Andy Murray is number one. And then Djokovic is going to be the number one starting next year. However, Djokovic started the year very strongly. And Andy Murray, if he wins the Australian Open, then he could stay number one for a longer period of time. Half a year, maybe a year. Regardless if it's just like for a week or even longer period of time than that. With everything that he's done this year and in his career so far, does this rank as like the biggest thing for a tennis player to be at number one? Or would it be the Olympics that he's won two in a row? Would it be Wimbledon? Is this really like that big a deal for him? Well, I do think, not that I know him that well, but I do think that Wimbledon counts the most still. Being number one, fantastic achievement, uh, speaks to his uh, consistency. But it comes a little bit of a surprise, I would think. I don't think he thought uh, after Roland Garros, where we talked um, in Paris, that he would have a chance to achieve that. And he did very well at the second half of the year. But I do think, uh, in his heart of hearts, that winning Wimbledon twice, probably that's the biggest thing for him. What about people like Stan Wawrinka, uh, Kane Ishikori, but people who are talented but just don't quite make the grade like Gael Monfils? Well, uh, you have to separate the, the three names that you have. Now, Gael Monfils has a horrible record in finals. I think he played 22 finals or so and he won only seven. Something like that. I'm not quite sure about that. Now, Kane Ishikori is a big disappointment in my eyes because uh, he should have won one major. He was to one major final 2014 at the US Open. And Stan Wawrinka, please. Stan Wawrinka has won as many majors as Andy Murray. He has won three now. And the only thing Stan is not up, up to is the consistency we were talking about with Andy. Because Stan does not care about the ATP 500 tournament in Beijing. Stan cares about the, the Grand Slam tournaments. And uh, actually, I think he'll be a contender next year in Wimbledon, which is the only major he hasn't won yet. The three names that Nish just mentioned there, are they the only real challenges now for Andy Murray? There are other people that he needs to watch out for. Well, he always needs to watch out for Marin Cilic, of course, who plays in his group in London now. If Cilic is on his game, he's very hard to beat. I don't think Cilic is going to be a competitor for number one, then there's, a, but, but at certain tournaments he can be, of course, a big contender. Then there is Milos Ranic, uh, of course, who is number four in the world right now, who is aching a little bit and who couldn't play against Andy at the semifinals in Paris. And then there's this young German guy. I hate to say it. I don't hate to say it. I just say it out loud. Alexander Zverev, who, of course, has no means to be the number one next year but I think it's going to be a big surprise in many tournaments but I still think the biggest competitor with Andy Murray is still Novak Djokovic and as we talked about aches uh, on certain players is Novak Djokovic fully rested and recuperated Jens? I think physically he's fine he should be fine I think he's searching for a new meaning of life, as uh, stupid as that may sound. Very spiritual, man. Very spiritual. Yeah, and uh, he has uh, this, this one Spanish guy, Pepe Imas, uh, in his team. Now in London, as I understand it, Marian Vaida and Boris Becker will in his team as well. But nobody knows what happens after that. I think he's, he's just searching. He has uh, 12 Grand Slam titles. He has been number one for 
an enormous amount of time. He has dominated tennis up until the French Open this year. And I think um, he can regroup. I actually do think that. He's still a wonderful tennis player. But I don't think he'll be as dominating just because he has lost a little bit, just a little bit of his edge. And Andy has that edge now. But as I said, in London, he has the far weaker group. So Djokovic might go all the way and finish the year as number one. Just going back to Andy Murray a second then. You're talking about like Djokovic's team. Am I right in thinking there was a little bit of, of beef in Andy Murray's team with his trainer and that he was potentially going to get rid of the trainer? Am I wrong in thinking that? Well, at the US Open, speaking of the match against Nishikori, he was really letting his box having it. And he was uh, cursing, as he always does, but I think even Ivan Landl got a little pissed off. And Ivan wasn't at his side um, since then, but I talked to, I asked him in a press conference in Vienna, and I'm worried it is mm. if uh, Ivan was still his coach, and he said, yes, Ivan will be in London, uh, Uh, funnily enough there's one group named after him it's not the group that Andy is playing in Andy is playing in the John McEnroe group the Ivan Landl group is the one of Djokovic but anyway Ivan will be there but Ivan will only be there at the main events like the Grand Slam tournaments and uh, Jamie Delgado is his coach who is always there with him and I think he's doing a fine job he takes uh, the curses as he should and they, they still go off the court happy and looking ahead to uh, future tournaments as well Jens we've got A lot of hard court being played at the moment. Um, it was um, uh, Nadal who would dominate uh, Roland Garros on the clay court. And obviously, it's now a toss-up uh, as to who's going to dominate the grass court as well. So, who who is out there who is now, do you think, going to dominate those different surfaces in the game? Well, as far as hard court is concerned, uh, it has to be Mario Djokovic. And I do think Nadal has a little bit left in him when it comes to playing on clay. And on the grass, as you said, it's uh, it's anybody's ball game there. And I think the faster the faster the surface get, I do think that Milos Raonic can actually get to the next step, uh, to the next level. He was in the Wimbledon finals this year against Andy, so I have him very up high the rankings, but especially on hard court. At the beginning of the year, I only see two players challenging for the big titles, and that's Mori and Djokovic. Jens, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for spending a bit of time with us here uh, on Chicken and Beer. You can catch Jens um, as part of Sport Radio 360 on Twitter. They are at Sport Radio 360, and on the website, they're sportradio360.de. Jens, Thank you, ma'am. Nisha and Jess, thank you very much. And to some footy. Now, earlier this month, on November the 6th, it was the 30th anniversary of Alex Ferguson taking over at Man United. I know, that's a big, big thing. And big. The, the, the rest is history, as they say. It's mad to think that. After so long, man, that he was there 30 years ago. I think he lasted, what, 26 years in total? Yes. For Man U? But 30 years ago, November the 6th, 1986 is when he mm. took over. I'm not really sure about Fergie's history before that. I could be wrong. I think he managed Scotland briefly. So he's got like an international record. Wasn't it Aberdeen or something like that, was it? Aberdeen as well. Yeah. And they say, and they say that he broke up, yeah, the sort of old firm sort of monopoly at the top of the Scottish League with Aberdeen. Yes. Yeah, so he was a... Oh, man. None of these Rangers or Celtic. 
I'm finding in the last few episodes, man, I'm constantly burping with the beer. Before I used to, I need one of them little side straw things to just like pop the when I'm drinking. <laughs> let the air go out so you yeah, carry on yeah, talking. Exactly. This is the picture so, speech. Yeah, then I look like Teddy Riley in it with the, with the vocoder voice. I've like, heard if of, you give your love away to me. Do you know what? I've heard of Teddy Riley in other songs like Rex and Effects. The one Teddy Riley in my Rex shop. It was Rex shop, Rex and Effects, Rex shop. And I remember the name, but I've never actually known that, you know, I've never seen him like you just explained with the straw and all that kind of thing. I've saw him once on top of the pops performing the song I just sung with Blackstreet if you don't leave me girl oh yeah yes. that's sick tune and he is a pioneer of New Jack uh, New, New Jack, Jack swing. swing yeah exactly New Jack Swing there was some sick stuff Usher started off with that I'm a Mac I think the track Easy. was called Bobby Brown fucking Jodeci do you know one song I love of Bobby Brown's that you could just play to me anytime and I love it My Prerogative no Don't Be Cruel no who can play that game yes but that's not New Jack Swing that was a remix a dance remix it was a bit the original it? to that came out like on number 50 in the charts then Get they did the dance yeah. and, and I love that that is a brand new yeah, thing goes, lately and to me it seems your attitude has changed oh does it proper like yeah, South Dirty South he does that man but great track though great track we digress sorry <laughs> I yeah. don't know how how did we get this this so is the fast. only podcast yeah where you start talking about Fergie and sport and then we're and then you, you know, really hip hop. End up, yeah, you end up with New Jack Swing. Good Where Lord. else can you get that? Only on Chicken and Beer, baby. Only on Chicken baby, and Beer. Baby. So in 1986, yeah, when he took over, there's this nice little picture of him online where he's sitting at the desk. He's like, "Woo, I'm the man you boss now." And the thing is, the first thing he cut when he was there, yeah, the drinking culture. Just imagine it. You must have heard stories that you're looking at your beer scared now. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You must have heard stories about footballers in the 70s and 80s. I think it was at the stage. They would have drinks at half time. I, I could be wrong. No, no, you could be absolutely right. But the footage that you see, archive footage, <sighs> yeah. when they've all just like uh, won a cup or something, and the first thing that you do, they're getting that typical arms around your playmates. Yeah. And then like the man's got a fag hanging out the, hand, yeah. the side <laughs> yeah. of his mouth. And like, yeah. It's like in this day and age, you're in the front, front page for doing things yeah. like, like Jack Wilshire and so on and I, so forth. I think they would fill the cup with like, beer or champagne as well mm. if they won a cup they'll be drinking out of that shit but if you've won the tournament and you've got to the end of something and it's come you know surely you're allowed to do a little bit yeah of that. but this drinking culture back then was not like that these i think these all were drinking every night on the source regardless straight do you know what it's funny you say that i remember seeing a picture today on social media of diego costa from chelsea yeah having a little get together with his old manager Diego yeah. Simeone oh yeah 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 so uh, you know they were saying oh is this allowed you know and should he be seen with his old manager from his old era he was it just boys yeah exactly just boys it? but he cut all that shit out man and there Fair were two, two big players two big players at the time Norman Whiteside and Paul McGrath big Man U players mm. big in the drinking game as well and he cut them he sold them in the January window, I think. He was like, if you're not going to cut the drinking, you're gone. And I think that sent a message out to the rest of the team and maybe to the rest of the other team as well and to the board at the top. Alex Ferguson, don't mess around, man. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're gone. But the thing is, as well, I think for Man U, they didn't win anything for a good few years. I think he got them to, they hadn't won anything since the 60s, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was 67. And don't forget, even though that's a good sort of 20 years mm. that they haven't won anything, you're talking about a team with heritage. You're talking about Charlton and uh, and Dennis Law and uh, George Best and you yes. know, Matt Busby, all that sort of stuff there. So without them winning, you know, so it's, it's, it's a long time. I think they would just come like second in the league and then I think they became mid-table. But there was one match, yeah, it was an FA Cup. Um, it was an FA Cup. I can't remember what it was. It was 1989 or 90 or something like that. Okay, okay. There are rumours, and man, you always deny this. Mm. There were rumours that, so he'd been in a charge for about four or five years. If he didn't win that game, he was, gone. He was getting sacked. Yeah. 
and it's hard to just think that a manager like Fergie was given an ultimatum like that. Although it was in the early stages and he hadn't even won anything at that point, he was, he, whether you want to believe it, the, tr the rumor is that he was on the verge of getting sacked, man. Okay. But, so that kind of thing, I mean, in this day and age, five years, you're having a laugh. If yeah, you, you wouldn't even last, get five years. You wouldn't, know. I mean, look at, look at Mourinho now. Yeah, after three games, you'd be like, you lost three games. You're on the verge of getting sacked. You know Crazy. I mean? But anyway, nevertheless, they won. They won the game and they ended up winning the uh, the uh, the FA Cup as well. So that was kind of like the first the first thing he won there. So good for him. And then this is the era where I started, I sort of started getting into football as well. He got Cantona in 1992. Oh, man. the mad signing from Leeds. Yeah, Cantona. Was it 1.9 million or something? Something ridiculous like that. He went to Leeds to check out Dennis Irwin. Right. And he came back with Dennis Irwin and Cantona. Yep. And Cantona at that time, man, I remember seeing videos of him. He, he once took, he, 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 got, he hated the decision by the ref. So he got the ball and just threw it at the ref and it smashed the, hit, uh, the ref on the head. I swear he once took his boot off and battered the ref as well. The, everyone stopped him so he didn't get, but he took his boot off and battered the ref. Oui. Not messing about. But when he came, oh my God. God, everything changed, changed there. Yeah. Then they started getting doubles and then they did the double-double. So like back-to-back -back seasons of doubles. Yes, it was like yes. doubles everywhere. Look left, there's double right, double, doubles up. <laughs> no, doubles up in here, doubles up in the club. <laughs> doubles everywhere, man. Uh, so he, he retired in 1997, uh, Cantona. But he, man, what do you remember about Cantona? Um, obviously, Crystal Palace. Yes. Kung Fu kick. And where, also, Where were you when that happened? Do you remember? Ooh, to be honest, um, as you know, uh, I've always been a cricket man, but... Um, you know when you get into something and you start looking at the history I think if I'm honest I didn't see it live or anything like that I nah, think I nah, just nah, saw nah. I think I was on the news I saw it turn up and I just saw yeah. the footage and I was like wow because mm. I think he said something and then I just saw him run up both feet in the air and not only that he got connected landed on the floor got up and then started laying in some digs as well he did go for it didn't he he went for more he did, man. I remember watching on the news as well because I think at that stage uh, the Premier League goes on Sky and we didn't get we didn't get no Sky we get no Sky Sports there, man. Nah, Do you know what I mean? Nah, we had no nothing. Sky Box. Nope. If you wanted to watch Sky, you had to go in the garden and look up. That's, that's, it, that's, that's what it was for us. Get, yeah. So there was, there was no Sky for us like that. So I saw it on the news and it was like a film. It was like you were watching a film, a, a clip from a film. So he jumped in and it looked like he missed as well. But the guy was claiming afterwards. He was showing his chest and saying, oh, I had stud marks on it and stuff like that. I think Cantona probably missed. But still, you do not want someone lunging at you. Not like that. Not yeah. like a, a professional athlete, you know, someone who's like really fit. Yeah, man. But I swear, when I saw that, I was like, this is mad. And that came out. He got what? Nine month ban? Is that what it was? Yeah. And then he came out with that saying. Do you remember oh, the saying? Oh, this is the one I was going to... Because when you mentioned that uh, flying kick. Yeah. Or the Kung Fu kick, as they named it. It reminded me of... Um, the quote. The quote, which is something about... Now, I know I'm not going to get this entirely correct. But if I'm not mistaken, it was words to the effect of... Sometimes the seagulls follow a fisher boat because they think there is fish or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something Ew. along those Sometimes lines. Sometimes the seagulls, the seagulls, the seagulls the, will yeah. follow the trawler because they, they think, think sardines will be thrown into it. the sea. Something exactly. like that. Exactly. That was probably the start of people going, "What? Do you know what I mean? What the fuck is he going but on in about?" True, in true kind of poetic yeah. French he kind of stuff. He was poetic. He was. His awesome. goals were poetic, Giza. There was that one I remember where he dinked a good few players yeah, down the right wing. He got his collar and he popped no, no, his collar no, like no. Usher. He, he literally he dinked it and then he, he shot the goal and it almost like floated like it yeah. was in slow motion and went in. I think you're right. And that yeah, was the one where he turned around. He turned around. And he just put his hands on his hips. Yeah, yeah, put his hands on his hips like. Oh, he was sick. But so much else happened there was the uh, I would love it if we beat them I would love it if we beat them Kevin Keegan oh, yes. let his 12 point so much happened in, in, in that era and then you talk about you talk about him getting rid of players let's not forget Beckham 
when he kicked that boot at Beckham's eye. Yeah. Mm. And then, you know what happened then? He put in a shit performance against Arsenal in the FA Cup. And mm. I, he specifically said, I've read this in loads of interviews in his autobiography. He said, sit down, boy. You let your team down. You let any ripped into Beckham. Next day, this was already, he was already pissed off at Beckham because Beckham started appearing in the papers and all that sort of stuff uh, with uh, Victoria Beckham and stuff like that. And he had the little thing on his eyebrow yeah, as well. So, and at that stage, the next day, when he saw that in the paper, apparently he went up to the board and they said, cut the bullshit, get rid of Beckham. Because he said... The same way he did back in the day when he started with Paul McGrath. He's like, no one's bigger than the club. Get rid of him. And wow. they got rid of him straight. So it just goes to show that a player of even Beckham His stature. profile, yeah, yeah. But yeah, look, come on. He, you know, he knocked Liverpool off the perch. That's what he said he wanted to do. Yep. Won 20 titles. Yep. We are never going to see a, a, a manager like that because it's just a different game now. Yep. There are managers who could be that good, Pep Guardiola, and I, but who's going to stay with the team for 25 years? No one. The only so that, person that, close is probably Arsene Wenger, really. Yeah, but he ain't really cutting it. When you look at the 25 years of what of what he won... That's uh, why he got the nickname the bookmaker, uh, the bookkeeper, sorry. Who? Uh, Wenger. Arsene Wenger, yeah, because yeah. it's just about, oh, we'll get the, secure the funding from hitting semi-final in the uh, Champions League every time and that's it. Yeah, but I'm going to raise, I'm gonna raise my bottle to mm. Fergie, man. Big up Fergie, man. 30 years. I know he's been out of the game for a few years. I reckon if he came back now, he would, he would be shit. Because it's I been don't out know, too you know. long. He's been know. out too long, man. No, but you know what? At the end of the day, you can still recognise talent in a player. You've still got the uh, the dressing room. And, uh, you know, you ain't going to forget the game just like that. I'm sure he's nah, there nah, every time. Nah, and yeah. I reckon if he came in now, he'd clean up that shit going on a man. You. He would, man. Yeah, none of this fucking... He'd get the best out of Pogba, that bloody 89 million or whatever it is. Oh, then maybe we could start getting some points on fantasy football. Well, with I his got, ass. Well, I got I got some from Zlatas. I got Zlatas on my team. All right, don't rub it in. Right, next month, Anthony Joshua puts his title and his record on the line, but not against Vladimir Klitschko, as we were hoping. Mm. Instead, he's going to be fighting Eric Molina. Yep, and David, I came to bring the pain. Big up Method Man is mm. here to talk us through it. What up, D-Pain? Oh, good to hear from you again, lads. Everything's going on week by week. Always good to have you. We do love a good chat about a bit of boxing. Uh, and we're talking about the man, the man at the moment, right? Anthony Joshua. Now, there's plenty to say about him. Obviously, we were getting really hyped about this Klitschko fight with him, kind of like the filler after everything of what happened with uh, Tyson Fury. Before we get to the Molina fight, what has happened with that? Uh, how come it's not happening anymore? Ultimately, behind all the noise, it's money, isn't it, ultimately? And it was always a bit hasty. It would have been a dream. It been a lovely fight to you know, end the year on. Uh, it could have been a great baton passing fight and all that good stuff. Timing didn't quite seem quite right for Joshua. Still don't think he's quite ready, but Klitschko could be there for the taking. Who knows? That was the dynamic of the fight, I guess. But I think Klitschko's probably looked at it and thought, well, I'd like all the belts on the line because I don't want to have to beat Joshua and then have to be picking off two or three others. Mm. And there's probably enough money in this that it'll keep. And if we let it brew a little longer, get a belt or two each, it's going to be worth an awful lot more money and done in less haste. So ultimately, the underlying thing is money. So you've heard the little injury story that wasn't really an injury. Ah. Um, I think the WBA thing was a was a thing. Uh, they just didn't seem to want to put their head above the parapet and say, yeah, you can do this fight. So time passed and they were very close, but ultimately it's too big a fight to rush. So here we are. Yeah, I thought that might be the case actually to rush into it because Joshua potentially might not even be ready for, for Klitschko just yet. I think I like the fact that we don't know 
<laughs> because there should be an element of the unknown. There mm. should be an element of opinion and, uh, and torn down the middle and is he ready and, and, and all those factors about a fight. It, it wouldn't it, that be exciting. But, but, but to look at it more professionally, more clinically, I personally think Joshua needs some more rounds and I think he needs a guy who can threaten him more than perhaps he's had so far before he gets to a Klitschko fight. Why Molina, David? <laughs> I know a little bit about him. This guy's a Mexican-American David Molina is, and the Mexicans, when it comes to boxing, I don't, I don't like to underestimate. No, no, they're not known for um, throwing up the big guys. Um, the little you know about him, to be cynical, is probably all there is to know. Uh, <laughs> but I'm here to add another layer for you, and it depends kind of how you look at it. The answer to the previous question, if you regard Joshua as the finished article, good to go, and let's go with Klitschko, you know, the next best guy out there or the, or the guy to beat out there despite his loss to Fury, then Molina is a massive step down. There's no escaping right. that. So this is like he, a joke fight then, just to fill in a no, gap? No, yeah, well, that, that, that's the yin and the yang of it. But if you um, assess Joshua differently and say, yeah, he's got a title, but we all know he's not really the world champion, Tyson Fury is. In the absence of Fury, the next best guy is probably Klitschko because of his history. Joshua's got a belt, but he's not world champion. Uh, and therefore, he's a 17-fight pro, four years on from turning pro, who's knocking everybody out, and he needs another big lump to knock out or to t be taking some rounds. And in that context, Molina's probably about where we should be. You know, the guys below the guys. So it just depends on which brand of publicity or which part of the narrative you want to embrace the most. Molina is, has been around. He's been stopped when he stepped up. His best win is against a nearly 40-year-old former light heavyweight uh, in his last fight, which kind of got him this. But that said, he's six foot four. He's 240 pounds. He does come to fight. I mean, he got stopped by Ariola early, two or three, four years ago, and Ariola was just a come-forward brawler, which is a quick summary of him. But he was trying. He was trying to come forward. He was trying to hit him. And he's going to bring everything he's got because this is a big shot for him. This is a chance. And he, and he was very determined when he fought Wilder. He got stopped by Wilder owns the WBC belt at the moment in this fractured picture that we now have and he was put down three times um, and he got up and tried to carry on so the guy's got balls ultimately and one assumes he's going to put it all on the line which you know is what Joshua needs he needs he needs someone to come and put it on the line you kind of pissed on the parade of this fight a little bit now man you say, you know, you're saying he's the guy below I'm not here to sell, I'm not here to sell the pay-per-view mate <laughs> I, you know, that's not my job and I'm relying if I if I said I'd, I wish it was Klitschko he was fine. It's not. I'm trying to be pragmatic about it. The guy is going to come and have a go. You would hope at that size if he hits Joshua on the button. Mm. Who knows? There's always the who knows when we're talking with these big fellas. I want to go back to what you were saying. There are a couple of ways of looking at this fight. Then is Joshua yeah. the finish article, like you said, or does he need a few more fights? What is the general feeling of what Joshua is? Take the money aside out of this Klitschko fight and the business element of it. I feel like Joshua isn't the finished article and he probably does need another fight before. But what's the general sort of consensus about Joshua, where he is in his career? I think Joshua has done really well. The truth is probably, my, my opinion is probably somewhere in the middle in the respect of he is the real deal as far as I can mm, tell mm. at this stage. He can punch, he lives the life, he's very determined, he's been whacked by Dylan White and came back through that mm. and he's got it all, hasn't he? He's got a fantastic persona to be the heavyweight champion yeah, of the world. So. It's very marketable, you know, all that good stuff. But 
I don't think anyone could describe him as the finished article. He can't be the finished article after 17 fights. Mm, that's what I mean. He's got stiffness about him. He's not got everything. He's not without flaws. Now, whether those flaws will be polished out by another one, two, three fights until he's ultimately the top man, Tony Time will tell because he has shown some holes in his game, if you like, but then who doesn't? Who's Tony Time? You just said Tony Time will tell. Did I? <laughs> He's on the undercard. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, man. Um, where, where does Fury fit in in all of this? Don't forget him now. Don't be forgetting old Tyson. This is what I mean. So kind of like no one's even mentioning him now. You're not, you know, you're not asking the right people. Tyson, to me, is still the number one. Unless he's not fought by this time next year, it remains so. Um, so all this that's going on now is just wheat from the chaff sorting out the contenders because rightly or wrongly he's the man that beat the man he's in his prime he's got some problems mm. if he comes back next year he's still the number one for me David you uh, mentioned you know a fighter who can hit on the button I've got memories of Rahman and Lennox Lewis um, and Whitey you mentioned as well uh, he's going to be fighting Chisora so uh, yeah. that's, on, that's on the same card isn't it yes that's the chief support yeah British title fight and an eliminator for the WBC apparently what do you make of that then it's a fun fight. It's two guys that can talk, and they can talk in some ways a lot better than they can fight. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be animosity. It's two London guys, supposedly backstory between them, the whole the old sparring stories, and they, they both like to talk. They both like to push the envelope, as they say, to get noise, to make noise, to get around big fights, and Chisora particularly has been successful at that, at creating a whole persona that's earned him fights above and beyond perhaps the people that he's beaten. I personally think Chisora's on the other side of the hill, but then again, I'm not as sold on Dylan White as some others are. Yes, he, he tagged Joshua, but I don't see a ton of other stuff. Um, I see a guy who I can't believe can put 12 rounds together, and I see holes. I see holes. Unless he's improving all the time in the gym, I see holes. I see a lot of wide punches that someone who punch straight can do, but... They could nullify each other. It could be messy and brawly and, and a lot of wrestling um, because they're not stand on the outside sort of punches. It, it will it will either be a great tear up and they'll go toe to toe and yes. someone will get put down, or it'll be a messy, ugly, nasty brawl that you'll be glad when it's over. A brawl would probably be a nice little sort of uh, good one to watch. Well, that's what we're that's what we're all ho hoping for, isn't it? A really intense, put it all on the line, you know, give it everything, kind of. Slugfest, that's what we'd like, because neither of them are really accomplished boxers as such. I think a tear-up would be definitely, I think everybody would want to see I that. Think the card need, I think the card could do with it, because I think a lot of the selling in the in the prelude, because of course we're on pay-per-view again, <laughs> is going to be built around this card, because they're going to make the noise, whereas yeah. Molina and Joshua are too... It's a formality, isn't it? In all likelihood, but in terms of promotion, they're not going to be pushing each other over at press conferences. They're not going to be throwing bottles of water around. They're not <laughs> going to be, you know, using all the all all the tricks that these two have used in the past and will use again. So I think a lot of the noise and the press bylines are going to be about this Chisora White fight. David, you can be caught on Twitter at the Boxing Writer, and your website is boxingwriter.co.uk, which has got some work going on it at the moment now, isn't it? Well, st stuff going on, but I'm also writing for BritishBoxers.co.uk for um, t two guys who've got a lot of respect for Terry Dooley, particularly go back a long way. He's a great guy, and he's got a website going called BritishBoxers.co.uk. So look that up, and I'm starting to appear on there quite frequently. David, thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Speak next time. Good man. See you next time, guys. December the 10th is when that fight will be taking place. Little bit of a formality element to it with Joshua, but the big one, as we mentioned in the last episode, 
Klitschko and Joshua, possibly Cardiff Arena, spring or, or roughly March or April in 2017. That'll be the big one. There it is, another great episode. And yep. of course, big up to our guests, Sport Radio 360's Jens Huiber. And the boxing writer, David Payne, as well. Big up to him, big up to all the guests. Big up to all the guests ever who appear on Chicken and Beer, man. We really appreciate it, yes. Before we rate the chicken, which I'm picking at now and has gone a little bit cold, which doesn't help, let's check out some leftovers. All right, first one up then, okay, Jose Mourinho. He's called out some of the uncommitted members of the Man U squad following the 3-1 win, which they desperately needed against Swansea. And you know who the players he's talking about? He's not named names, but he's talking about Luke Shaw mm. and Chris Smalling. Yes. He's saying Luke Shaw, both of them actually, on the morning of the game, were like, ah, we can't really play. We're not really sure about this. We've got a little bit of a niggle and all of that sort of stuff. And he's, he's basically saying, you've got to put your bodies on the line and you got to basically cut the bullshit, okay? Yeah, Put your bodies on the line, get involved, and play through the pain a little bit. That's what they used to say about Sturridge. Yes. He would, he would, you know, play through the pain that little bit. I think the whole medical team there would put their foot in and say, look, he can't play. That's going too far. Yeah. You know? yeah. But if there's something little, he's saying, let's just do it, man. That's another thing. We were talking about footballers and their drinking culture back in the day. I bet you they played through anything. Well, this is just the, the phrase that comes to mind is cut from a different cloth. Or cut the bullshit. Cut the bullshit as well, yeah. So, um, Smalling, you know, I had him in my fantasy football team oh. beginning of the season. <laughs> you know, he was there. He's tall. He gets the headers in from set pieces and that kind of thing. Luke Shaw, you know, undeniable talent. So, I think, you know, a little bit of Mourinho. I don't like him throwing his toys out the pram yeah. but your man's right I do agree with him you know you need to man up a little bit sometimes and just go for it I don't know what he's bitching about because they actually won a game for the first time in a long while so maybe you need to stick with that team Ashley Young in defence mate Ashley Young in defence and they ended up winning 3-1 so at least maybe just stick with it man it seemed to work just stop bitching after every single game Jose now going back to a bit of boxing Pacquiao he defeated Vargas yes. in his return to the ring after a little while last fight he had as we know was uh, Mayweather uh, who was also there watching in the crowd yeah yeah they say he was in the front row and when Pacquiao won he gave him a little smile or something I mean I don't know what the fuck like what's that supposed to mean or something but... I think the fact that he was there is good enough really but he was a bit floundering in the uh, in the after um, match interview did you hear him nah what did he say he was basically you know going on about um Oh, I'm going to go back to the Philippines and do a bit of uh, politics and who do you want to fight next and what way and all I this thought, kind of thing. I thought that's why he had the big break from boxing because he was in politics. I think Pacquiao has been tainted by all of this. I think he's been given this image in his mind that, you know what, I am now... Uh, kind of making myself a little bit bigger by getting involved in the politics of the Philippines and that kind of thing. And I think, unfortunately, it's taken him away a little bit because uh, Marquez, who was one of his rivals, I don't know if he's had about three, four, five fights with him, the Mexican, knocked him out in the last uh, time they met each other. But I think he he needs to kind of just, if he's going to finish his career, he needs to finish it good. If he's going to do a Mayweather again, he needs to concentrate on that. And then the worst thing was in the last fight that he had with Mayweather before Vargas was, oh, you know, I had this problem, my yeah, chest muscle, this muscle, that. that. It's yeah. like, come on, man. You're... That was a shit fight. I stayed up till four in the morning to watch it, and it was a shit fight. I remember exactly what I did. I was in a stag in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. It was nothing. I remember afterwards when Manny Pacquiao was getting interviewed, the first thing he said, he didn't even do anything. So that was the that was the whole fight, basically. Yeah. Mayweather didn't do anything. 
Pacquiao tried. Mayweather just kept throwing punches in the air, ducking, moving away. He didn't do anything. He's a chess do we, player. Do we want to see that again, though? No, no, it's not really the make I of think, a good fight. I think the fact that Mayweather is there is that because there, there is going to be another fight. Mayweather is 49 and 0. He probably just want to round that off to 50 yes. against Pacquiao again, and that's it. Done. That'll be his career. He's already got a sick career. I think he can go one more fight. Probably a risk. Probably a risk, but I think he knows he can finish it off. Absolutely. Last leftover we've got here. Hulk Hogan possibly returning to the WWE at WrestleMania next this year. This is mad. Who is older out of Undertaker and Hulk Hogan? Undertaker is about 50. I could be wrong. Maybe 52. Hulk Hogan is that little bit older. But Hulk, uh, Undertaker has not even been fucking wrestling for a long while, man. Really? He's injured. The last time I saw him yeah. was at the opening game uh, of the NBA um, uh, Cleveland game where they were getting their championship rings and all that. He turned up in the full Undertaker full care. Full regalia. Yeah, he came up. Because in the in the finals of the previous season, the, uh, LeBron was wearing an Undertaker t-shirt and he respected no. that. He so he turned up with the belt, even though he's not the champion, took photos with all of them. But the point is, Hulk Hogan, man, he was dashed out of WWE just overnight like that when them tapes came out. I don't know if you heard the tapes, man. I remember vaguely about this. What was this now? Made bare N-words in there. Ooh. Bare N-words um, about his daughter and someone she was dating. WWE remember heard that now. and they just cut him. Every reference off the website, the WWE Network, where you can watch like hundreds and hundreds of hours of old stuff, took all his matches off, took all of him off the website, any reference of him whatsoever. He was gone just like that. Wow. And now, almost a year later, his daughter's come out and said, well, he might be coming back now. He might be coming back to WWE. If they do a U-turn, because if they got rid of him based on the racism thing, yeah, yes. and they're doing a U-turn and bringing him back, that... In all honesty, like Hulk Hogan is a household favourite, isn't he? To drop him like a dead donkey when you look at the contribution he's made to WWE. Uh, the tape with the M-word? Yeah, I know, I know. But I'm not saying I endorse that or I even agree with that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it just seems, uh, you know, a little bit harsh. But I can only think of another example, which is Lance Armstrong and the, you know, all the Tour de France jerseys that he's won. You know what? Fuck all that shit. <laughs> Who wants to see a 60-year-old man... Yeah, who's probably got plastic man boobs. He's probably going to have work done to try and keep them up. And they're going to be sagging and shit. Stomach hanging, belly hanging over and all that because he can't be is fit. He, is that the shape he's in at he's the moment? He's probably in that shape, man. And he's always got his back hurt. You know, who wants to see that shit when you can see bloody Seth Rollins, John Cena, Roman Reigns, uh, Kevin Owens, all of that. Damn, no okay. one wants to see fucking Hulk Hogan. No. Got strong WWE Nobody wants game. to see it. Done. Forget it. Right. Onto this Thai chicken, man. Give me a little bit more about it. Just Thai green curry. Thai green curry, yes. Yeah. So, uh, like I said to you, um, I put in uh, a bit of aubergine in there to kind of add to the flavour and texture. Some chopped green chilies, uh, some nice fluffy white rice as well in there. So, uh, I'm hoping. There's a little bit of fish sauce, a little bit of salt, a little bit of sugar. Yeah, and for one of the first few times, I've left some. Not the meat, of course. The I've aubergine. left it because of the aubergine. I'm not really a fan of mange toot as well, so... I threw that in because I thought it would be good for a bit of greenery. That wasn't actually even in the recipe. That was just my only little ting and ting. A little greenery. <laughs> A little bit of fibrous, sticky, icky. Exactly, because you you put that, you know, it needs to go in there. Everything, a bit of veg, a bit of rice, which is the carb, a bit of chicken, which is the protein, and then the chilies and all that other kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, so I, I do like my Thai green curry. Yeah. There's this particular Thai green curry soup that I usually get. Nice. Real nice, man. Mm. Real nice. Um, obviously, you can see I've left the aubergines. I did give a couple of them a crack, but they felt too squishy in my mouth. Fair enough. And the point, you tried, I'll give you that. Yeah, the point is, it's, it's quite cold now. 
If you look at it as a hit and miss thing, I think I'd give it a bit of a miss today. Really? Yeah. It can't yeah. be that bad. No way. It doesn't man. mean it's bad. It just doesn't mean it's not all that. Do you know what I mean? It's, but it's, is that it's because okay. You can't use that as a, a basis for the aubergine though. Yeah, I can, mate. <laughs> I can. I think we need to start some Stop side... Stop being a bitch. We need to make some side list, yeah? When you make recipes, you don't can't... put these foods in. I'm allergic to shit. Okay, look, let me put out. this... Man United play, right? The team win, <sighs> all right? And you've got Zlatan and Pogba and all that. But just because Rooney plays shit doesn't mean that you you know, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, it was rubbish, it's a loss, it's a loss. You can't say that just because I put aubergine in there and you don't like it. Everybody listening might like it. You can't make me like it. I can't make you like it, <laughs> but you can't just diss the whole bloody dish. You're going to change this to a uh, hit, man. <laughs> I don't Make know. it a hit. It's like I wouldn't eat it again. That's the that's the way. Okay, I if think. I took the aubergine out, you know it's a combination of things. <laughs> it's a combination of things. It's the aubergine. I don't <laughs> like much too, and it got really cold quickly. Why so... don't you like your greens? What's wrong with you, man? No, I like other greens. Any everybody who listens to this, right? Tell Jazz to bloody sort his life out I with like his greens. greens. Fucking green M and M's. Yeah, <laughs> I fuck with those Harry Bow. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what I mean? especially Harry Bow. Tangafastic. Yeah. Apple Tango. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's one of my five a day. <laughs> Apple, man. Apple. Throw the dice, man. All right. We had Asia. Your turn. Yeah, we had Asia and Europe, so we're not going to have those. Okay. If you're new to chicken and beer, we do not use the same two continents that we previously see had. See if we can come up with some good ad libs. What does that say? I can't even see it. North America. America. Easy. So, so that's where we had the buffalo wings last we time. We did. I think. The buffalo wings were shit, but the jerk chicken was the best chicken that we ever had on this podcast so North America Nish get cooking a little something for the next yeah. episode thank you for listening to Chicken and Beer you can follow us on at Chicken Beer Pod on Twitter or you can like our Chicken and Beer page on Facebook we put like uh, the updates of what's going on on the show uh, a few like behind the scenes pics on there as well we like to share sports stories funny videos gifts all that sort of stuff as well so do follow us on social media for that little bit extra and just chill until we find out if it's Donald Trump or his Hillary Clinton. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll know that by the next episode.